Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 30, Greatest Rock Singers of All Time. Chris McBride here, along with Yancey Eaton, as always, as Pop Goes Your World. We're going to be going into the rock singers, our favorite rock singers of all time. But before we get to that, Yancey Eaton, what's going on in the world of pop for you? I got lots going on, but how about you? Uh, for pop, for me personally, not a whole lot. Um, I just welcomed a new niece into my life, which I'm very, very happy about. Yep. Very so nice. Olivia Sue, she is my fifth combo of like niece and nephew. You know, I don't. I don't have five nieces and five nephews. I have five collectively, but I think I think everybody got that. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That just happened, and uh, also I don't mean to steal your thunder if you were going to talk about this, but maybe I can just kind of like no, go uh, seg- segue into it. But I noticed on your Facebook feed that you are going to go see ZZ Top in the yes. very near future, and I was going to uh, mention that. So so uh, funny enough, recently my wife and I were having a conversation, and she's like, you know what? If you could go see any band, any band at all, you know. Who would it be? And and I was like, uh, ZZ Top. That's who I want to see. She's like, ZZ Top? Why ZZ Top? I'm like, <laughs> I love ZZ Top. I've liked them ever since I was a kid. I think their music is great. Their early 70s stuff was great. The stuff from the 80s was amazing. So And they're just so unique. And I just, I think they would put on a great show. And so I want to, I think both musically they would put on a good show and visually I could just see them just putting on an amazing show. So I'm like, ZZ Top is the band that I would want to go see. The other one would be the Bare Naked Ladies if Stephen Page ever went back in the band. But Bare Naked Ladies, yeah. that's an interesting song. I know, wow. I know. Well, because they're Canadian well, and I've liked them ever since they came out with their original EP and with McDonald's Girl and all that stuff. So I just, I've always loved them. So I, yeah. and I've never had a chance to see them live. Um, well, I just wanted to take a second really quickly though, yeah. to talk about ZZ Top. I remember, you know, I grew up with- You like them? classic rock yeah i love zz top okay now listen i can i'm the type of person where i can acquiesce and i can say that they are not the most technically proficient band okay it's a it's a it's mostly a three-piece band sometimes when they're on tour they'll have other band you know members and stuff but they're not the most electrifying technically masterful you know musicians of their craft that we've ever seen but what they do they do very very well um i remember hearing my mom and dad talk about seeing them live in concert for the recycler tour and whenever i saw your facebook post i you know whenever i saw them you know whenever my niece was you know coming into this world i was i was like hey let's i'm like let me get the facts straight real quick on this because like you know i wanted to talk to you about it and they were basically talking about this tour where like it was like a junkyard scene and like they had like the gigantic like magnetic claw that you see like at junkyards that like pick up cars and stuff whole. Mm-hmm. They basically had that like on stage at the ZZ Top concert, right? And like they're all performing and stuff. And this gigantic metal claw comes and picks up and basically like sucks up the entire drum set. Or like they would have like the junkyard claw that comes and like scoops them up. It would scoop up both guitarists and like drop them into a dumpster. Then they would come out and like they were riding in like little clown cars and just like all they talked about was just like you were talking about like just from top to bottom just like in a, a crazy elaborate show i mean girls in like you know g-strings just dancing all over the place and lights it's just like it's so over the top and but just such one of the biggest sounds that you can ever get from a three-piece band which is just i don't know it's just crazy I, i've listened to it for a long time i mean sharp dress man is it was my myspace profile song for like six years in high school which nice. is kind of like a random fact well i wasn't in high school for six years but you know what i mean yeah um 
but yeah, it, it was just cool to see that you were into that band, you know, because it's it's one of the the few parallels that you and I have, something that we both kind of like, you know, dig at the same time, even though there's like such a huge generational gap. So I just wanted to bring it up. So well, well, let me put this on the table for you, my friend. So it's on June the third, and it's uh, it's about I don't know what a half an hour drive or so from from my house here to where the concert is, mm-hmm. and my wife isn't a hundred percent sure if she's going to be able to go with me to the concert. <laughs> so I'm going to suggest you get on a plane, you come up here to Canada, and we'll go see ZZ Top together. Because I, I bought a pair of tickets. Because basically, once I, I heard that they were coming close by, I went immediately and bought the tickets. And then I told my wife afterward, because it was during the day. And I got home uh, from work and I said, uh, Oh, guess what I did on my lunch break uh, today? And my wife was like, What'd you do? I said, I went online and bought ZZ Top tickets. <laughs> She's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, so she might not be able to go. So if she doesn't go, dude, you're getting on a plane and you're coming up here. Did right, you have. Good. To- I, I can't fully commit, but like, yep. let's, let's leave that we'll, open. We'll then. discuss it. We'll discuss it. Uh, anyway, did you have a chance to see the Oscars? I did. That I was, that was obviously so, yes. something else. The thing that got me was I was watching it. My wife went to bed. I stayed up to watch it. They announced Best Director. It's David Chazelle. It comes to Best Picture. Something happened with uh, with Warren Beatty. You could tell he was, like, confused. You were like, what's going on? And they go, what the hell is this? But then he hands a card to Faye Dunaway, um, or at least someone who once looked like Faye Dunaway. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, so Faye Dunaway reads uh, that it's La La Land. And, and I'm like, ah, oh, I grab the remote. I'm going to turn it off because I don't need to see the speech. I'm like, ah, they won. I expect right. them to win. It's over. So I grab the remote. And just as I'm about to click it off, something just kind of said, ah, oh, what the hell? Just watch it. So I continued to watch it. Well, I'm glad I did <laughs> because things obviously <laughs> unrolled. But I mean, what are the chances of like, okay, so they handed the wrong card, right? So they handed the card for Best Actress. So when he opened it up, he sees Emma Stone, La La Land. He gets confused, right? He hands it to her. She just sees La La Land and says it. But I mean, you know, 99% chance La La Land was going to win. So, I mean, you know, under normal circumstances, it wouldn't have mattered that he read the wrong card. This wouldn't have never even come out. But <clears throat> what an upset. That Moonlight won, like, and we talked about that before on a previous show about Oscar snubs. We thought how Moonlight was going to get snubbed um, by not by losing to La La. And we both really, really liked La La. And I thought it was fantastic. I really loved that movie a lot. But Moonlight was like incredible, and and for it to win, that was something else. And to do it in the fashion like that, wow, that was something to see. Let me tell you, that was. I had a little bit of like an internal struggle because. I love conflict. <laughs> I love chaos. You know what I mean? But like, I also felt bad for those people. Like both movies were, were equally deserving. I think you said verbatim, like, you know, La La Land is probably going to win, but Moonlight deserves to win. You know what I mean? But like, we were happy with either movie and just the way that it went down was just awesome. I'm not going to completely rule out, like call me a conspiracy theorist, but like, I'm not going to completely rule out that that may have been intentional. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. You never know. Uh, and one last thing before we dive into it. Yeah. Uh, for March, um, Blazing Saddles and This Is Spinal Tap have both been added to Netflix. So, Yancey, you now have no excuse, young man, not to watch those two yep. movies. All right, let's get started. If it includes getting crunch berries up here in Canada, let's do it. You know, I had like this amazing childhood, which I did. And he went on to play Takashi in Revenge of the Nerds, which is one of my favorite movies like ever. Uh, true story, Ben Savage is the most famous person I've ever met in real life. Playing the sitar and all these flowers would drop on him. I had Reading Rainbow t-shirts. I had Reading Rainbow notebooks. Not crunch berries because we don't get those in Canada. My mom basically locked us out of the house. I gotta stay home and grease the Weezer. In 94, <laughs> that Little Rascals movie that came out. In the 94 but... version, Jesse did they have to grease the Weezer? Oh, my, my, my. Okay, so, you know, obviously when you think of most bands, you, you obviously think of the singer, 
right? I mean, like they're the ones that are out front, you know, they're not behind an instrument and they're the focal point for the audience and all that. And obviously when you listen to a song, the vocals are usually the focal point of the song as well. So it goes without saying that rock singers are a very important part of rock music. This week, we're going to be talking about our favorite rock singers of all time. Yancey, this one is right in your wheelhouse for sure. You love music. You're the music guy here on the show. It's going to be very interesting to see how we cross over between these. If there is any crossover, I'm sure that there will be. Um, but uh, do you want to kick us off um, with your number five? And we'll go up to our number one of our favorite, uh, personal favorite rock singers of all time. Number five. Take yep, it away. Sure. So so number five for me is somewhat of an esoteric take, I think. Um, there's 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 caveats in here. What's what's nice about doing this show is like my reasoning doesn't have to make sense because it's like it's our own podcast. and We do whatever the hell we want to yeah, do. And it's so. our personal <laughs> choice. It's not, you know, it's who we like. Right. Right. So number five for me is somebody who did not have a super long or illustrious career, but I think given the circumstances of how he passed, he probably would have. Um, Ronald Wayne Van Zant, also known as Ronnie Van Zant, was the former lead singer of uh, Leonard Skinner until he died at the age of 29 in a plane crash. It was devastating. I wasn't alive for it, but um, I've mentioned them before that Leonard Skinner is like the one strongest uh you know, like link that my father and I have is bonding over Leonard Skinner. Did nice. you know since beginning of time since I can remember listening to music, like riding my dad's like gigantic diesel truck and like listening to like Freebird was like one of the most like seminal moments of my entire life. Like literally thinking about it now, like I get emotional thinking about it. Like that's like mine and my dad saying is listening to Leonard Skinner. Um, so Ronnie Van Zant just want to talk about like the purest voice. Um, he, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think about Leonard Skinner is like Southern rock. Obviously, I. Mm-hmm. There are subgenres of Southern rock, whatever. I'm not sure exactly how Leonard Skinner would classify with it, but Ronnie Van Zant had one of the most like distinctive, like twangy, almost like country voices, but like a driving, just powerful, powerful voice. And like I'm trying to, I was trying to decide on this show like how I was going to, you know, basically decide like who are the great vocalists. Like you right. can't think of like your favorite band or like you know songs that you really like. Like you know, you can have a great song, but if the vocalist isn't there, you know, it doesn't really jive. Or you could have a vocalist who isn't fantastic, but the song is just so catchy that it's kind of, you know, making one the other. But I think with Ronnie Van Zant, like, he was just so iconic. His voice was, like, so, so piercing that, I mean, you know, he, he's been dead for, you know, I don't know, 40 years. And if something were to come out today and you heard that voice, it's I think it's just so iconic, especially with, you know, people who are so into that genre of classic rock that, um, I mean, I just have to put him on there just as, like, a like an homage to like one of like the greats who, like I said, had he not passed so young, I think he would have been considered like one of those all-time vocalists. So Ronnie Van Zant from Leonard Skinner is my number five. I like it. Very good. <clears throat> now, before I get into mine, I'm going to mention some honorable mentions. These are people that just fell outside of my top five. Um, so Elvis Presley, Steven Tyler, Roger Daltrey, Paul McCartney, David Bowie. But then also... I want to mention Chris Cornell uh, for two reasons. Uh, number one, because he's awesome. And number two, because uh, Rhett Soderberg told me on Twitter today that if I don't mention Chris Cornell, that he would get on a plane and fly up here and kill me. <laughs> so I wanted to mention that one. He's So these are my honorable mentions, but they're not my top five. My top five is an interesting one, I guess. Um, so my number five is John Lennon. Now, Lennon and McCartney, you usually associate those guys with their songwriting abilities, which are, of course, the greatest in the history of mankind. But... I don't think John Lennon gets quite enough credit for his vocals. Like, he was incredible. And if songs, or at least the great ones, are supposed to be about emotion, I don't think you get much better than John Lennon. Like, whether he was singing really low and quiet. If you take a song like, uh, like Oh My Love or Imagine, or if he was just wailing away like on Twisted Shout, I don't think there's too many singers out there that can match him just for that raw emotion. Um, 
I don't think I've ever heard anyone mention John Lennon when it comes to sort of technically sound vocal ability, but I think that's underselling what he did because even if you had a great singer try and sing something like Twist and Shout and try to emulate Lennon, they probably just come off as screaming the lyrics, you know, unless of course maybe you're Ferris Bueller, you know, but if you're not, you know, John Lennon, I think is a god. He's my number five of all time. So on to your four. Um, I don't know where I want to put in my honorable mentions, but I guess just because you did it, it's appropriate that I go ahead and do it now. Yeah, just so, get them away out of the way now and then get into it. Yeah, this was, this was extremely, extremely difficult because, like I said, I'm trying to parse, like, you know, a, being a member of a band that I really like versus being a vocalist that I really like. So, like, I just want to mention some people that, like, their voice, super iconic. As soon as you hear it, you know exactly who it is. They have a really wide vocal range and just – they did have some sort of, like, iconic moments in songs. Like, you know, as soon as you hear it, you know exactly who it is. So – uh, really quickly, David Bowie, almost in my top five. He was right outside of it. You have to put Bowie in there. Yeah. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Good. Maybe not the Heartbreakers because that's his band, but Tom, yeah, Petty, Tom Petty, one of the guys I grew up with all the time. Um, one of the more uh, controversial ones, I think, as a vocalist, Getty Lee from Rush. Oh, that's a that good is, one. Ooh, that's like very that. much a love-hate one. Like yeah, either you love he, Getty yeah. or you hate him. Because he sounds like a girl, right? So He sounds like a girl. He's yeah. very high-pitched, yes. And um, he's Canadian. Got to like that. Yep, he's Canadian. Uh, Billy Idol. Just oh, because, I mean, Rebel Yell, like that voice, is, it's just so powerful. Yeah. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, Pat Benatar, Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. Obviously, she did some solo stuff, too, with like, what was like, the album Belladonna? Or, I, I own the album, I just can't remember what it's called. I think it's Belladonna. And then a couple like more modern, slightly modern ones, Zach De La Rocha from Rage Against the Machine and Chris Cornell. Again, I have to mention him from Soundgarden Audio Slave. So those are my automobile benches. Or else Red Soderberg gets on a plane, kills us. Right. The last thing I want to do is have <laughs> listeners showing up at my house. Killing so, us. Yeah, that sucks. Let me get those out of the way. Yep. All right. So so number four for me, I talk about it all the time, so I'm not going to divulge like too much into this, but uh, Prince. If you want to talk about the ultimate range as far as like, I mean, this guy can literally sing five octaves. I mean, you're talking about really, really low registers all the way up, like super high falsettos. And just to add to the fact that he's playing a guitar while he's doing it, and he's playing a hellacious guitar too. Um, I love Prince. Any chance I can get a chance to talk about him, I'm going to. But just a really, really interesting voice. Like I said, not afraid to go into really high registers, really controlled and sustainable, like in medium range. And like just, he can actually like get down low. He can growl just could do all kinds of crazy stuff with his voice. So uh, Prince is my number four, you know, mixed in with a ton of honorable mentions. And, and not just his his vocal ability, like you mentioned, but again, it kind of come back to the point that I made earlier about emotion. If you listen to Purple Rain, it's the emotion bomb that he puts into that song, takes that song to a completely different place. For mm-hmm. me, anyway, I, I agree. That's a good one. Okay, my number four. When it comes to rock singers, I think most people generally gravitate toward the male singers, because rock is usually thought of as kind of a masculine thing. You know what I mean? But to me, it doesn't mean all the best singers are necessarily men. On the contrary, I think I think some of the best are women. And one that makes my list is number four, and that's Ann Wilson from Heart. I think if you're mostly just familiar with, with Heart, if you're if you're familiar with them from their big commercial hits of the '80s, which were good, you know. But if you know them only from songs like "What About Love" and you know, "All I Want to Do Is Make Love to You" or "These Dreams." And if that's what you know Heart for, I think you need to go back and listen to their stuff from the 70s, like Kick It Out, Magic Man, and especially Crazy On You. Um, In 2012, Led Zeppelin were at the Kennedy Center Honors. I don't know if you have had a chance to see it, Yancey. If you haven't, it's on YouTube. So what they did was a bunch of artists got together and did covers of Zeppelin songs. And Zeppelin themselves, the three of them, the surviving members, were in the audience. And for the finale, Jason Bonham, John's son, obviously, he joined Ann and Nancy Wilson and they did Stairway to Heaven. And now, you know, I know she wasn't Robert Plant, but 
Like she was amazing, and and she managed to make Robert Plant cry when he's listening to the version of the song. So like I did see this. It's on YouTube. I did see this. Oh, yeah. good. So again, yeah, go and check it out if you haven't already, um, and also check out Heart Stuff from the seventies. You're gonna see just how good Ann Wilson is. So she's my number four. What's your number three? All right, I I there's gonna be so many omissions here, which is like really upsetting. But like I should have mentioned her. I mean, and you, 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 I know we're talking about vocalists, but if you want to talk about like guitar riffs, Crazy on You has to be up there. So good. I mean. That is one of the best. Uh, so what are we on? Number three, Chris? Number three, yeah. Number three, I'm going to go with one that is still recording today, still making relevant, you know, uh, I want to say chart-topping music, but very, like, culturally relevant music, and that is Tom York from Radiohead. Oh, cool. um, Tom York is another one, like we mentioned with Prince, where a vocal range, uh, unlike most singers that you're going to see, most singers, I think, sing between, like, two and two and a half octaves. So, like, they basically, like, they hang around the exact same register. You don't see them going super high, and you don't see them going super low. Tom York is the exception and not the norm, where he can, I mean, he can craft songs in all types of different ranges. There are songs where, you know, he is just all over the spectrum, really powerful voice, and when he gets up super high, um, it's still super clear, and, like, you can still identify the fact that it's Tom York singing. Um, so, I mean, he's done, obviously, a ton of stuff with Radiohead, multiple, multiple albums. He's done solo work. Um, I, I think the, the last solo piece that he did was Today's Modern Boxes, which got almost no publicity whatsoever. Um, he released it on BitTorrent as opposed to, like, a conventional, you know, distribution model. But um, all of his stuff is just super, super underrated. And, I mean, I, I honestly still think, like, he's, like, the best vocalist still recording today, like, currently, as far as, you know, just range and, uh, like, the dearth of work that he's done. Uh, so Tom York's my number three. He could easily be like number two or one. I think in 10 or 15 years, if they're still putting out quality albums like they are now, he may be my number one. Very cool. Okay. Um, I mentioned before, I, I think some people tend to associate rock singers with men, right? But there's, Correct. Been, there's been amazing female singers out there. Patti Smith and Tina Turner, and Debbie Harry, Stevie Nicks, you mentioned. Um, but for me, there was one that was on another level altogether. And that's none other than Janis Joplin. And yes. rock is all about attitude, right? It's all about lifestyle. And, and those kind of things are embodied in Janis Joplin. I mean, she died when she was 27 years old. Um, same age as Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison when they died, obviously. It's that mythical age in rock, right? Um, yep. But not only could Janis Joplin wail with the best that ever lived. She was also an incredible live performer. Like she was at Monterey Pop and with her band at the time, it was um, Big Brother and the Holding Company. And she was at Woodstock because she went on between uh, CCR and Sly and the Family Stone. And Woodstock wasn't even one of her all-time best performances because I think she was so hopped up on heroin and booze at the time. But but Monterey was one of her best performances. She actually came to Canada on a tour with uh, Festival Express. I, I didn't make it out for that one, actually, Yancy. I, I wasn't even one at the time. But, uh, but I mean, obviously... <laughs> Still I'm, no excuse. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I've read all about it, you know, and I've listened to her for years. And I think she really helped a lot of other females break into, you know, break through and into rock. And in rock and roll, there's icons and then there's legends. And Janis Joplin is a legend. So she makes my number three. Yep. You were mentioning her, you know, passing away at 27. Obviously, this is like very well like covered. People know this, but like you, you mentioned Morrison as well. I mean, Jimi Hendrix, uh, who else are some of the ones? Amy Winehouse was yep. 27 when she passed away. There are like a ton of artists that died right at 27, which is really sad because like I mentioned with Ronnie Van Sant, he was 29. But like, can you imagine if these these people like Kurt Cobain was 27 as well? That's, that's another one we need to mention, by the way, as an honorable mm -hmm. mention is Kurt Cobain because he defined an entire genre for like 10 years. Um, but I mean, just like such iconic voices, like if they had another 15 to 20 years of recording, like oh, we yeah. would be talking about them as all time greats, not just like rock greats. Or John Lennon, like too. Like John Lennon died too young. He was what, 39, 40. And like, what what else could they have done? It's amazing when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. 
All right, so we are on number two. Number two, who do you got? We're getting there. So I went back and forth on this, and uh, I'm going to decide right now as I stall. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Robert Plant as my number two. Okay, so, <laughs> right, obviously you approve. It's I hard like to- it. I think this is a chalk pick. I think this is something that a lot of readers are going to be happy with. Like this is giving the people what they want. And uh, as much as I'd like to be contrarian when it comes to some of my picks and like throwing some weird ones out there, I mean, you cannot you cannot deny what he's done. And just, I mean, every single album. Just, I mean, a, a lot of people they'll talk about like a like Cashmere or um, Immigrant Song or Stairway to Heaven as like you know like the iconic Robert Plant vocals. I like more kind of like esoteric stuff like. Um, uh, like fool in the rain like that is like one of my favorite vocal performances of all time because like you can literally see like the angst like the, the 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 yearning in that song um and like you know he doesn't really get credit either by most of his like older diehard fans for stuff that he's done recently like i don't know if you listen to the album um i'm trying to remember what it was called it, it won several grammys but it was with him and allison krauss um and like even the stuff that he did with the band of joy like his newer band for the last couple of years I mean, he's just so, so, so talented. And just that scream, like going back to the Immigrant song, that scream at the very beginning, I mean, it just sends chills down my spine thinking of it. He's just so talented. The vocal range is, is there, obviously. Just an iconic rock performer. He could do any style, any genre of music. And um, I mean, he deserves to be up there with the all-time great. So Robert Plant's my number two. Maybe for the first time ever, Yancey. You and I agree on us on a, not only on uh, our pick, but even on the number of where it falls. Because I yeah, agree with you. Does. Because you know when the Yardbirds broke up and Jimmy Page went out looking for a new lead singer for his new band, he ended up with one of the best ever, and that was Robert Plant. That's my number two as well. And the thing is, I think he's mostly known for his upper register, you know, and his, his ability to wail like crazy. But I think right. if you go back and let's do, you mentioned a couple songs that you liked from him. My personal favorite was "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You." And you listen to Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, and you're gonna get a full appreciation of just how incredible his vocals were. Like, it was, like, whether he was, like, belting out a song or he was telling a story, like, like if you listen to the first half of Stairway, it's like he's telling this story. The guy could do it all vocally. And the thing was, he wasn't all that much of a showman on stage. Like, he wasn't out there jumping around or putting on a show, you know? Um, I think if you're only familiar, though, like, with his studio performances, you should make yourself aware of some of his, his stage work because, like I say, he wasn't a real showman jumping around or anything, but, man, did he put... He left it... He put it all out there when he was on stage vocally. And, oh, man, oh, man, like, if you listen to him sing songs like Whole Lot of Love or, or Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, like I mentioned already, like, he just... He puts it all out there. And and talk about a guy that had an influence on a lot of the heavy metal singers that came out in the 80s. Guys like David Coverdale and, and Steven Tyler and Kevin Dubrow. There was a, a lot of amazing singers that came out, but they were all influenced by him and none of them even came close. So I agree. Number two. Good one. So you're number one. What have we got? All right. So you haven't mentioned this performer yet. And I'm if by chance you and I both have the same number two and the number one, this will like, be something I'm pretty sure we must because there it, is only it, one <laughs> rock singer of all time. And it's this person. It might tear a hole in the universe, Chris. I'm just saying. Like, yeah, I'm actually really we both excited. agree on our top two. We have okay. to because there's nobody else. There's nobody else but him. So is your number one Freddie Mercury of Queen? Absolutely. My man. OK, Woo! honestly, I'm like super happy. Dude. I know. Like, man, we agreed like on something. Holy smokes. Okay. So what to say about Freddie that had is not already been said. Um, I mean, obviously, lead vocalist of Queen. Uh, he wrote almost every single song, produced almost every single song, lead vocalist, co-principal songwriter of every single song they did. I mean, he also had his hand in, like, uh, scheduling performances and, you know, uh, uh, endorsement deals, everything like that. 
he had his fingerprints all over this entire band. Um, he died in 1991. He was only 45 years old, which is a tra- you know, absolute travesty. What's really upsetting about him too is like the day after he acknowledged publicly for the first time that he had AIDS, he died from AIDS. So that was almost like his like um, I don't know what you'd say like his his like last like act basically was like trying to bring awareness to this disease. And literally, like I said, the day after he died, which was like really heartbreaking. Um, but uh, man, where do we? <laughs> I, I feel free to jump in, Chris, because I don't really know how to describe. Like, if you if you had never listened to Queen before, and you're trying to get like the main like gist of like why he was so iconic, or if you have listened to Queen before and you're trying to like get somebody else to get into him, like what what song or or what passage of like whatever song or what album, like how would you direct fans to start listening to Freddie? Well, I would start out by saying that if I had to describe him, he he was a guy that did it all. Like, if you mm-hmm. want you want a showman. He is the best that ever stood on a stage. If you want an incredible songwriter, like you mentioned, guy was a master. You want vocals? He had a four octave range, which is incredible. If you think about it, like most professional singers have three. Most sopranos have two, two and a half. Falsettos, I'm not counting here. Um, But he appealed to everybody. Here's the other thing. He appealed to everybody. So think about it. Um, We will rock you. The jocks love it, right? We are the champions for the mm-hmm. nerds out there, like they used in Revenge of the Nerds. Um, you got rockabilly with crazy little thing called love. There's basically opera with Bohemian Rhapsody. Queen was just, they were incredible. And there's never been a band like them before. There's never going to be a band like them again. And if you want to compare just how good Freddie Mercury's vocals are, this is what I would suggest that you do. Adam Lambert from American Idol, okay? Yep. Now, now that guy can friggin' sing. No Great. question, right? He's recently hooked up with Queen, and he's actually going out on tour with them. Just if you get a chance, you can go on YouTube and you can kind of see some of his performances that he's done with Queen. If you want to compare how amazing Freddie Mercury was, go and watch some of that video of Adam Lambert singing with Queen because Adam Lambert is phenomenal. Just wow. to interject really quickly. Yep. I have I have seen that not live obviously, but right. I remember a couple of years ago, Paul Rogers, formerly of Bad Company, was touring with Queen, and Paul Rogers is a phenomenal vocalist in his own right. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um, but it's I mean we're, we're we're talking about you know just total devi like multiple deviations away from what Freddie was. But like you said, to Adam Lambert's credit, being a relatively young guy who didn't grow up in that era at all, he can really freaking hold his own. Oh like, man, very, he can sing. Very but impressive. the thing is, he can sing so good. But watch him sing Queen, and then right away go and watch Freddie Mercury. Yeah, there's no comparison. Freddie so Mercury man. is the greatest rock singer that ever was. He's the greatest rock singer that ever will be. He was the best. So let me ask you really quickly. Yep. So what what is your favorite Queen song? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I mm, that is really really tough. I think it, it always was and always probably will be Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. So in my childhood, I it was always Bohemian Rhapsody for me as well. But I think now, like anytime, like I sit down and listen to the albums, if I listen to Somebody to Love or Under Pressure with David Bowie, it is hard to listen to those two songs and not get emotional. Those are like the most <laughs> the most powerful, like emotionally, like heart wrenching songs I think have ever been written. And like, I don't say that with like any type of hyperbole whatsoever. Like those are powerful, beautiful songs. And like his like with the, somebody love how it starts out and like with the you know how it ends slowly with like a piano. Oh, like a nice away. piano start, but the way it ends when he goes on that run, that vocal run at the end of somebody love. I, it's just it's it's like it's like he's schooling the world. This yep. is how you sing. 
This yeah, is he's, how playing, he's playing chess and we're playing checkers. Dude. There Seriously, you go. It's, he's in his <laughs> you, class of his own. I'm so yeah. glad that we came to a consensus on this. Isn't that Chris, great? Seriously. Yeah, because yeah, he's he, he seriously is like undisputed number one of all time. So no questions. Cool. This for the first time ever, ladies and gentlemen, we agree on our number one and number two. That's that's something else. <laughs> okay, time now to have some fun with Yancey. Okay, Yancey, are you ready? So what we're going to do this week, because music's kind of in your wheelhouse, that's your thing, right? I decided I'd ask you some questions about some really famous rock vocalists over the years. And I know you're going to get all these because these ones are easy, okay? Are you, okay. Are, you, are you ready to go, my friend? Yep, I think you're being slightly sarcastic here, but yes, let's go. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I mean, like, this is your wheelhouse. Like, you love music. You're much more schooled in music than I am, so uh, I think you're going to be able to do well. Okay. All right, let's do it. I'm going way back, though. But still, it's going to be easy, I think. February the 3rd, 1959. Widely considered to be the day that the music died. Because on that date, a plane crash took the lives of three rock singers. Yancey, can you tell me the name of the three singers who lost their lives the day the music died? I know it was Buddy Holly. That's correct. What? Um, oh, I should know the other guys, Chris, but la, I don't. La, 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 bamba. Oh, uh. It's Richie something. Richie, it's, it's Richie definitely Valens. Buddy Holly. Richie Valens. And uh, I can't remember the other guy. The big... The big bopper. Bop, the big bopper. There you go. So you got it. So, okay. So just continuing on that little theme there with the day the music died, that was obviously immortalized in the 1971 song American Pie. Right. Nancy, who wrote and sang the song American Pie? That would be one Don McLean. Very good. Okay. All right. Okay. So born Anna May Bullock. This singer's career began as a duo with her physically abusive husband, and she's gone on to a career that spanned five decades, has also included acting in films like Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, she's reported to have taught Mick Jagger how to dance and how to move around on stage. President George uh, W. Bush once commented that she had the most famous legs in show business. However, it's those electric performances on stage and those legendary vocals of hers that have made her uh, it have sort of entrenched her as one of the greatest female vocalists in the history of rock and roll, Yancey. Which singer was born Anna Maybullock? This is, uh, I, I put her above Aretha, which I think would, Ooh. you know, piss off a lot of people. But uh, Tina Turner is just like yep. top to bottom, like the, the epitome of a performer. As great as Aretha was, she was never a phenomenal dancer. And Tina Turner was like all of those things in one while also being a phenomenal singer. So, But everyone wants to party with Aretha. <laughs> School of Rock. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, on January the 6th, 1957, this legendary singer appeared on the seminal Ed Sullivan show. However, since he was known for gyrating his hips when he sang, when he appeared on the show, the show he was shot from the waist up so as not to offend the censors. Yancey, who was this hip-shaking singer in 1957? Um, if you look at photos of my dad back in the 70s and 80s, <laughs> he looked just like him with these sideburns, and it's Elvis. But did oh, but, but the thing is, you know, in deference to your dad, no offense to your dad, did he look like young Elvis or was he old, fat, sweaty Elvis? Younger Elvis, okay, definitely. Like the, the, okay. the handsome, you know, just super suave, blue slate shoes type of thing, yeah. My dad's a very handsome dude, by the way. I don't look anything like my dad, but very, very handsome man. Very, definitely not old, fat, sweaty Elvis. No. Okay, that's good. Okay, Rick Danko, Garth Hudson, Richard Manuel, Robbie Robertson, and Levon Helm made up the band. They were known for such songs as Up on Cripple Creek and The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, 
Before that, they set out on their own, though, Yancey, from 1965 to 1967. The band was the backup band for this legendary singer. Who was he? Uh, You're familiar with the band? They're almost all Canadian, by the way. Right. Um, Levon Helm is the only one that's American. Um, so they were I don't know, but I should, Chris. I don't know. I'm not going to waste your time. They started off as the backup band for Bob Dylan. Oh. You learn a new thing every week here on the podcast. Okay, one more for you here, and this one's a fun one. This heavy metal frontman is known uh, as much for his hard partying ways as he is for his legendary wailing. Um, and he had hits from the late '80s into the into the '90s, so it's it's probably only suitable because of his uh, his legendary lifestyle. That when you rearrange the letters in his name, you find out that his name is actually an anagram for oral sex. Oh my my my, Yancey. Can you name this legendary <laughs> 90s rocker whose name is an anagram for oral sex? I honestly had no idea until you said that. I mean, it's got to be Axl Rose, right? Just yeah, the X. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you'll learn a new thing every day when you listen to Pop Kosher World. So yep. there you go. So anyway, so there it is. And the best thing was this week, we both agreed on number one and number two in order. For the first time ever, it took us, you know, 30 shows to get here, but we finally did it. Hey, listen, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can get us on Twitter at Yancey Eaton or at C. McBrien, or you can always shoot us an email, Chris or Yancey at popgoesyourworld.com. For Yance Eaton, this is Chris McBrien saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 